Okay. Um, okay, so, so we all know on some level, we have this, this contradiction that on one hand, we are, we, we, we do feel that the, the world is very conditional, right? We experience it all the time. The more, as I said before, the looks, brains, money, status, fame, we could keep going what those things are that this is from society, then the more lovable you feel. The more you're accepted, the more you're validated, the more you perform, the more you achieve, the more you're brilliant, the more, whatever it is, right? And these things are external, right? They're external usually. Most of these are external. They're not qualities. They're not who you are inside. The more I have these things, and usually we have no, hardly any control over them usually. Like your looks you have no control over, your brains you have no control over. Like a lot of these things, yeah, that you get, we get um, acknowledged for, and then you feel lovable because of that because you're accepted, because you're looked up to, because you're seen as successful and therefore lovable, right? And then at the same time, we have this other part of us that knows that when people say every person is lovable, every person is intrinsically worthy, unconditionally, unconditionally we believe that every single person is lovable and worthy. That's right, and that is the Jewish perspective for sure. So we have that reality and the question is like, why? Meaning, it, you, you only really buy into the idea that you're truly lovable if you understand and we track it back to the source of where it comes from. Why is it that everyone is intrinsically... Who said? Who said everyone's intrinsically lovable? Where, where do we get that from? Like, okay, that's a nice idea, but not really, especially when society is reflecting back something different. Very conditionally, actually. And then other people buy into that. So like, the only way I can really hold on to this concept and really believe it is if I really see where does it actually come from and what, what's the source of it and what, what I find is is that we don't we're not used to, tr- to asking ourselves those questions of going back to the source of anything where did it come from and where did it come from where did it come from right so even just that concept of a, of a higher power right God um, looking at the world and saying where did the world come from you know and going straight back all the way to the source of like where did this all come from where did I come from where, so where does self love come from again and looking into the Torah just as a map of wisdom and what the Torah says here is that, you know, it's very funny about Rabbi in Israel that I first was in touch with when I got there. He said, to, he said a funny line once, but it's so true. He said, there's no such thing as an inferiority complex. You are inferior. Right. The inferiority complex implies that you feel like you're inferior. You should get over it. You have a complex. He's like, there's no such thing as a complex. We are inferior. Like, meaning we know that we're not all that. Yeah, we know that we're not perfect. We know that we don't have everything. So there's no complex. We really are inferior. So then where does this intrinsic value come from? So from a Torah point of view, from a Jewish wisdom point of view, it comes from the fact that we are intrinsically connected to a divine source, that your soul is the self, right? We say my body. When we say, this is answering your, just addressing your, when I say my body, who's the my? That means the body is not me. It's the object, right? The body is the biggest gift, that I have. It's a, what? Sorry, that just blew my mind. Yeah, isn't it amazing? <laughs> so intense. When I say my body, so who's the my? We already know it, we say it all the time. Oh, my body's, at a, so that means your body's not you, your body's an amazing gift that we're in, that we walk around the world in. And we have to look after it, we have obligations to look after it from a Jewish point of view. Right? And I'm meant to love it and say, oh my gosh, my body looked after me so well today. I'm meant to give my body love as well. Body has a whole different creation and reality, according to Torah, by the way. Whole different, um, not in a way, a different psyche that runs through the, the body than it, that does through the soul. 
So you have a soul as a creation and the body's a creation and they, they live together, connected for this lifetime and they separate at death. But they're both gifts and they're given to us to put in one to be able to have all the different faculties that we need. And they all have important faculties and they're all meant to get us to achieve our full potential together as a team. So if you don't start with this connection here, body and soul, and understand inside like the nature of the body. The nature of the body is very physical and the nature of the soul is very much more long-term. Who do I want to become in the world? You know, what's, what's important to me? What are my values? But we know on some level that it's not just physical. And the my body phrase that we use all the time is, is a reflection of that. So the whole idea of self-esteem is the same problem. If it's just based in self, doesn't, I don't believe it. Not really. The only way I can really draw down that I have value intrinsically and unconditionally, no matter how much I mess up, no matter how fat I get, no matter how much I mess up and fail in my life, right, that I'm still intrinsically valuable, is only from the fact that I was created, B'Tselem Elohim is the term, right, is the term in, in Hebrew. I was made in the image of God. Now, when, as soon as I say those words, people switch off. Ah, image of God, what does that mean? Uh, sounds very Jewy and from me and I don't know, whatever, right? In the image of God means that I have a godliness inside of me. I have potential to be godly, godlike, righteous. I have a soul that's been way beyond this body. It's about way beyond what I look like at any one time. It's way beyond my job. It's way beyond anything that we defined that we all talked about just before. Right? It's way beyond that. And I have a huge mission in this world to do, and I'm here for a reason, to achieve a certain mission and a tikkun, a fixing. And I'm here for a reason. It's not, it's not a mistake. I'm not just like, oh, whoops, Jackie was created, right? It, it, it's not a mistake. You're here consciously. You're meant to be here. You're not a mistake. And when we start to realize that and see that I actually, as you get older, you start to see that I have an actual, that's something I'm meant to do here. You start seeing it. If you're paying attention, you can ignore it and live in denial and live in Netflix and I just went to VR world last night. It was unbelievable. You can live in those different worlds if you want and just fill yourself up with distractions. But if you pay attention, you'll see that you're here for a reason and you're here because you're meant to be here for some reason. That's unique to you. So that means you're important. But it's not for all these other reasons we just said, right? The looks and the validation and the house and we go to college and get the job and fit in and everything goes with the society and external and... It's like dizzying, right? And it's got nothing to do with you and why you're here at all. And the body is just a tool. And we're given tools to achieve our mission. And the looks and the smarts and the, and the, and the money and the this and the job and the power and the opportunity are all just tools so we can achieve our mission, right? They're tools. So when you start to realize I'm here for a reason, I have a unique purpose and I've been given these tools and you look in your toolbox and you say, okay, if I'm not pretty, it's because I don't need to be pretty to achieve my mission. I don't. Right? And then it starts destroying jealousy. You don't have jealousy anymore because you don't look at someone else and say, I wish I was like them because you don't need to be like them because that's not your mission. You start to understand that I'm meant to be doing what I'm meant to be doing. And, and the Torah says, look into your own life and look into what you're, what's around you and what you have and what opportunities you have and what your talents and what your skills are and what your talents are and what your body type even is. Even Chavos Lavav's Duties of the Heart goes through. It's a, it's a book about duties of the heart, like what you're, how you're meant to, your heart should be focused internally it goes through if you have big bones and you're a big person it's because you might need to use that for your something you're doing and when i looked around and saw some of my bigger friends and i looked what they were doing they were often doing physical things some were midwives 
right? And it was enormously physically taxing to be a real midwife, like up all night and helping women and massaging their backs. And I could never do it, right? Plus I'm scared of cat. Right? And, then, and then, you know, doctors who like gory, they were always pulling, you know, animals and doing, killing things with their little gory things and whatever. But now they use those skills to help and heal. And they cut people open and they do surgery and they heal and save lives, right? But they always had this tendency when they were younger maybe to be a bit gory, right? It's, it, we're here for, when you start to notice that you're here for a reason, when you start to notice that you have a potential to be God-like, that I can elevate myself and be moral and righteous, and when I do that, I feel a million bucks. There's no amount of money and looks and fame and status and glory and power that could ever, ever come close to the feeling when you know that you did a hard thing and you did the right thing. Have you ever had those moments, those glimmers, when you, it was really hard and part of you really wanted to do something different and you just chose to do the right thing even though all of you felt like you wanted to do something else? That's when you're worth a million bucks. You feel it, right? There's nothing that can take that feeling away and it lasts forever and it starts defining you and creating you. That's when you feel what you're worth, right? That your real worth. And when we don't, when we, we haven't got there and we do mess up and we do fail, there's always a part of us that knows there's a potential to always correct it, right? We're given, you're never, you're never a complete loser in this life, right? God said, God gives us the, the opportunity of teshuva to, to return, right? Teshuva we know means return. There's a whole system you go through every time you mess up so you can return because God knows we're going to mess up many, many, many times. So how do we get back to self-love? So self-love comes from the place that A, I'm connected to a higher power. B, I'm made in the image of that higher power and I have the potential to be like that higher power. And God loves me unconditionally. When you start realizing there is a higher power that runs the world and that higher power loves me and you really start to recognize it in a real way, you really work with those, that idea. Not just talk the talk, come in and we're sold and we talk like this and it's very nice. And when I go out, I have nothing to do with these concepts. I'm talking about like really working with this idea that there is something higher running the world and that something higher loves you personally. Like very, very much unconditionally. Unconditionally. God knows our weaknesses and our negatives much more than we do and still loves us anyway. Right? And we can't even entertain the idea that and how do I know that it's quoted all over the Torah God puts it in the Torah it said many 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 times that God loves us we're his beloved children we're made in the image of God um, let me quote it one second um, okay. beloved and all ethics of our fathers beloved is man for he was created in the image of God as a gesture of special love we were told that we were made in the image of God. God could have just created a man and gone, okay, off you go, enjoy. Instead, we were told, you're made in my image. We were told that. Why were we told that? It was just a sign of love, that we would feel a sense of love knowing that. And then it goes through, beloved are Israel, for they are called God's children. As a gesture of special love, it was made known to them that they called God's children, that we should feel that belovedness. All through the Torah, it talks about this idea, that we should feel this love. Um, okay. Question? There was a question there? Someone? Yeah. I mean, you answered it. I was going to ask how do you know yes. that God loves you? Like, how does it, 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 says it, in the Torah. it says it in the Torah, but in your own life, how do you see it? You see it by noticing when you need something and it appears. Often we need stuff and it just happens or we, we get it. Um, but it's easy to ignore if you don't see it. Um, I needed a boost up today, 
I've been having the hardest week because I've got so much on my plate. And this is the week that Alexa decides to tell everyone to say how much we appreciate me. And only I'm here every, every time. And we work together all the time. Hashem knew that I needed that this week. I'm just using something in real time now. So I'm like, thanks. That's so nice. Right? I, you put it in Alexa's head to do it tonight because I needed it now. Right? All the time this is happening. Could I have easily gone, oh, that's just so sweet. Thanks so much to Alexa. And then ignored it. Like ignored God. Yeah, for sure. We do it all the time. But God put it in her head to show me that I'm loved and I, I, what I'm doing is valuable. In the very week I've had such a hard time, I've got to pull off this huge weekend and I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm not sure. Is it really worth it? Uh-uh-uh. Right? All my negative health head talk that God knows, put it in Alexa's head now to, to give me a little boost. And when I know that's from God, I'm like, I'm like we're like this. You're like, you know, I feel close. Right? But you could easily just dismiss it. Oh, it's so random. Now, you could do that in this situation. It was just random. She just happened to think of it. But when you see it over and over and over and over again, I like that with perfection, 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 perfection. Coincidence, coincidence, random, coincidence. I'm sorry, it's statistically not possible for it to be random when it's so many times. Because the definition of random is just random. I mean, it happens one in a billion. It doesn't happen so often coincidentally perfectly. That's not random by definition. It's statistically improbable that it would happen so often. And it happens all the time, we just don't notice it. So that's what I mean by focusing your glasses to look and to find the, the ways that God speaks to you in regular day-to-day ways. Does that make sense? And then you feel more loved if you notice it. I'm not talking about taking some random idea and then some random thing and then you have to join. Like one of my friends was like, oh my gosh, the license plate said ISR. I have to go to Israel. That's a sign. That means God wants me to go to Israel, doesn't it? I'm like, no, sit down. Like, you know, like you can't just take some random sign and then make what you want out of it. That's not what I'm talking about, right? I'm having a tough week and then Alexa decides this week that this is what, right? I, I told you that crazy story. Did I tell you about my teeth? Oh, so stupid. But this is how much God loves you. This is how much God loves you. It's so, teeth, right? We're talking teeth. I I can tell it because it's embarrassing, but it's just friends. And three year olds are brutally honest. They don't have any tact. Have you noticed this? Three year olds. Any random three year old will just blurt things out. They don't have tact. Yeah. So I was at, I was, I was at a friend's, very close friends for Shabbat, and the gorgeous little three year old who's very outspoken. I was talking and playing, and she said, why are your teeth yellow? My teeth were obviously a bit yellow, but I hadn't realized. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, I, I love my coffee. I love my wine. I love my whatever, right? They were a bit yellow. She's like, why are your teeth yellow? I'm like, dying. I go and look, and I'm like, she's right. Oh, my gosh, it's terrible. It's all, I should do something about it. So I was thinking. So after that, so this three-year-old put me into a whole head spin. And, uh, I, and then after that, the day after, I was thinking maybe I should do something. Was it? And I thought tooth whitening stuff doesn't work. The Crest stuff doesn't really work. I was like, maybe I should get something like tech professionally whitened. Like it's pretty gross. Like I could see she was right. I just hadn't noticed it. I mean, I, I'm not giving up my red wine and coffee. No way, right? And, um, and I decided to like, th- I was thinking, should I go and get this dental, the, white, the proper dental strength whitening, but it's really expensive. And I couldn't afford it really right now. So I decided, no, I'm not going to do that. It's not out of all the things to pay, pay for. I don't really think that that's worth my investment of, it's, I don't know, hundreds of thousands, whatever. But this is just in my head, just in my head and not telling anyone who would tell anyone about that, right? Just thinking about it in my head, mulling it over. And a friend had once offered me to say, like, I'll pay for something if you want to pamper yourself, anything, like any cosmetic type of thing. Any, and I thought I could ask her. No, I don't want to ask her. That's embarrassing. So I decided not. Fast forward a week. 
less than a week and I was at the JUC and a guy comes up to me, one of the students, and he gives me a present. And I said, what's this for? I'm not even close to this guy, he's a student. He said, thanks so much for letting me work out of the office. And I said, oh, it's not my office. I, I didn't let you work out of here. Give it to Rabbi Lin. It's very nice that you want to give me a present. He's a great guy. I actually got engaged yesterday. And, um, and he said, you know, but he said, no, no, I, got, I gave one to Rabbi Lin. I gave one to Rabbi Jack. I'm just giving to all the staff. And here's this present wrapped up with my name on it and Jackie on it. It was so nice. And he gives me this present. I'm like, that's so nice of you. Thank you so much. Like, what is it? He said, oh, it's just something my company makes and, and we give out, whatever. And so I said, really? He goes, yeah. And so I said, I okay, cool. So I start to open it. And as I open it, my jaw drops. And he says, it's teeth whitener. But it's dental strength and it really works. <laughs> like exactly those words. This is dentist strength teeth whitener. I've never seen it before. It's a special like commercial type of teeth whitener. And, and it really works. I've used it as dental stre- dentist strength. And I'm, I'm like literally in shock. I was like, like literally in shock. Liter- I, I literally didn't know what to say to him. I just said, I can't believe you gave me this. Like I, I literally cannot. Why on earth would you randomly come, randomly come up to me and give me a tooth whitener? <laughs> oh, it's so random. What a coincidence, right? Random, random, random. Do I feel loved that God cares about my teeth color? God cares about my teeth color. It, it's crazy when you start to realize how much God loves you, that he cares about your teeth color. Like, it's not a joke. And he shows up more and more the more you see him. Still makes me, it makes me cry because I can't believe God cares about my teeth color. Right? He shows up more and more and the more times you see him. And the more times you see God in your life, and the more times you thank him, the more you feel worthy. And it feels into self-love. Can I comment on that? Yeah. Um, I feel like I had a similar story to that. Um, I went to this Hanukkah party, and there was like this uh, grab gift like game where you like you pick one, and then like you open it, and if you don't like it, you can switch with someone. So like, number one, I have like the best. Number one's the best because you can choose at the beginning, at the end. Yeah. Number two is like the worst because you can only switch with number one. <laughs> whatever. So it, whatever. So we went on to like twenty eight people or something. Um, and I ended up getting this really really nice like um, container or like different kind of containers of honey. It was really nice from like Trader Joe's. Like I don't know if anyone's seen those. They're just like. There's like six different kinds of honey. Mm-hmm. And then this, uh, this woman who was sitting next to me at the party, she was like, it's my Shana Shona with my husband. We just got married. She's like, can we switch the honey with you? Because you're supposed to have honey, like your first year of marriage, to make it a sweet year. And, um, and I'm like, okay, sure. And I kind of really wanted the honey because I like honey. But I'm like, all right, you can have it. You know, it's your first year of marriage. And then, okay, fine. And I'm like, Fast forward, like, till, like, now. Um, my roommate is making Aliyah, and she's cleaning out her uh, cabinets. And I see the same exact honey, mm. like, box on the counter. I'm like, oh, my God! Like, I had that for, like, a second. And I was, <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was like, so excited. I'm like, and she's like, yeah, you know, I actually don't want it. And then I'm like, oh, I'm like, can I have it? And she was like, well, actually, I offered it to a friend of mine, but if she says no, I'll just give it to you. And then, like, and then, like, like I don't know, a few hours later, I'm about to go to sleep, and I get a text message on my phone right before I'm about to go to sleep. 
I put behind your cabinet. So it came back to you because yeah. you gave it away. Yeah. And I really feel like I saw God in that moment. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. God yeah. wanted me to have that honey. Right. <laughs> but I really did. Right. Beautiful. Love it. I love it. Yeah. Mita connected Mita. That's also a different idea of Mita connected Mita. How you treat others is how God treats you. Right. That's where karma comes from, the idea of karma. You know this? Karma comes from Mita connected Mita. But karma, I have to say karma, not karma, because you don't understand what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> right? Karma, karma. Um, <laughs> karma knocks God, off the, knocks God out of the picture. Karma is what you give out, you get back. Right? What you give out, you get back. What goes around comes around. No, it doesn't. It's going through God's treating you a certain way. So we knock when we knock God out of the picture, it's we feel much more comfortable. We don't like the fact there's something above us. We don't like that idea. Thank you very much. I'm in control. I like to be in control. But you don't really, because we know we can't run the world, because there really is not an inferiority complex. We know we're inferior. So you deep down you know that you're not adequate to do to run the world or even run your own world. I can't even tell you how I do this. I just want to do it, so I does it, right? I, can't even, I don't even know how my body works, right? So we, we know we're inferior. We don't really know how things work. We know there's something about something, and that's all we know in life, right? Whatever we know at any one time is a little thing. So, so self-love, so coming back to self-love. So it makes it much, much easier when I can connect to my true essence, my true essence, which is the fact that I am a soul in a body, and my soul is intrinsically connected without any break or disconnection to a higher power that is full of love and is love. And interestingly, there's, there's, there's a, in the Torah it says there's three core character traits of a Jew that we kind of inherited as spiritual DNA from Abraham. Right? There's a natural sense of mercy. We're merciful to people. We have a natural sense of shame, meaning we feel a sense of embarrassment if something doesn't, isn't, shouldn't happen about ourselves or others. And a healthy sense of shame, not a, bad, not a toxic sense of shame. And the third is, can you guess? Humbleness. Hmm? Humble. No. no. Kindness. Kindness, compassion. Mm. Compassion, which is self, self-love and love to others. In fact, when we look into the leaders of the Jewish people in the Torah, and we see that Moses was a famous Jewish leader, one of the most famous, where there's one moment that God decides to show up and say, okay, that's my guy, that's my leader. And that moment is the most mundane, nothing kind of moment, not at all what you would attribute to be like a leader, right? Which is where Moses at the time was a shepherd and he was chasing after a lone lost sheep who went away from the flock and then God shows up in the burning bush, right? To say, I want you to lead the people out of Israel. And he shows up at the moment that that Moses is chasing after a lone sheep that he cares so much. He loves this nothing little sheep that he chases after him. Right, that's the that's the sign that he's a leader. Right, when he cares about every single person, when he has love, genuine love for every single person or, or being, and even being, creation, animal. That's 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 my leader because a leader needs to have compassion. Right, so his compassion is enormously important in Judaism, and compassion is a godly quality. And because it's a godly quality, then we all have that potential inside of us to to give out to others and to have for ourselves. Right. By knowing our worth. Okay. So one of the ways to work on self-love is to really focus on how much God loves you. Sometimes you can sometimes love yourself more when you see how you're seen through other people in a way. Not other people, but God. 
because we don't want to base our definition of, of self on other people. But when that's how babies, by the way, that's how babies learn that they're lovable. So if, depending on the level of your parents' ability to give to you, you internalize the mobility of you being unconditionally lovable. Right? And I've seen it in families from functional to dysfunctional. Right, is everyone freezing? A little bit? Oh. Um, from functional to dysfunctional and, and the levels of impact that has on a child that we're meant to learn it. That's where we learn it when we're young. And if you don't learn it when you're young, you can always learn it. Right? You can always learn it. It's not something that stops at that point. Um, but you can't really believe it unless you believe that you are intrinsically lovable, intrinsically, unconditionally lovable. Just because you exist, because you're made as a creation of God and you have the potential to be godly and you're here for a reason and a purpose and you're not a mistake. All those things are very different frame of how we usually see ourselves. Within that, there's a Yetzirah and a Yetzirah. We have these two different voices in our head, right? One fuels the more healthy direction, positive direction, seeing ourselves in a positive frame, and the other voice will see us in a negative frame. The goal is to self-sabotage. We always have two voices in our head. One is to lead us towards our potential, and the other is to lead us away from our potential. Right? And at any given moment, we get free choice to choose which voice we listen to. At any given moment. Why? Because that's how I build myself. That's how I make myself who I want to be. Without that choice, I'm just walking along passively in life. But if I get to choose my free choices, free will choices every moment, then I get, to, I get to create who I am. I get to build myself. The most, I'll just say one more comment about something and then we'll practice the meditation. The most important, the most important, is it five to eight? It's 820. It's 820? Shoot, okay. Um, the most important idea here is to be internally self-defined. You can't truly own self-love, really, if you give your power away to other people to define you. Because there's always going to be someone who's going to reject you. Always. 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 Even by a look at work. Or so, you know, like, like, whatever it is. If you're so sensitive that you give your power away to other people to define you, then you're never going to truly have self-love because you're always busy looking out there for it. Right? This is, could be from friendships. It could be work relationships. It could be family. It could be, right? It, whatever it is. And it's a very high level to truly live on the place where you're only internally self-defined, but that's where we're headed and that's where we're going and that's the goal. The goal is that my internal self-definition is the only thing that really counts and I can choose to give that away, but that is who I am. That is my essence. That is my reality. My reality is I am who I am inside of myself and I can build that and work on that and make it better if I notice I have things to improve, which we all do, and that's what we're here for, to improve those things. But I'm going nowhere fast if I start to give my power to other people to define me. No matter who it is, even your parents. At some point, you get to a point where you realize as an adult, I'm no longer like definable by my parents. I have to make my own stand and make my own choices and go out. And there's going to be times where you, parents disagree. There's going to be time and everything. But you have to make your own choices. I have to be internally self-defined. And that internal self-definition, like a lot of people take on careers because their parents want them to, right? That's what they think they'll need to be successful. And then when you check in with yourself, actually, that's the last thing I really want to do. I don't want to be a lawyer working 70-hour weeks. I'm, a, I'm an artist or whatever it is, right? Totally different. When I look inside and I see what my real talents are and my real passions are and my real abilities, it's not to be a lawyer or a doctor or a whatever society has deemed as successful. I want to be with people. I want to be an artist. I want to be a mommy. I want to be whatever it is. It doesn't matter, right? So... Internal self-definition is really, really key. 
and there's a quality, a character trait in Torah that this is called. Does anyone know what it is? That we actually work on all the time. Sneers. The concept of sneers is not about skirts and elbows and, and collarbones and the clothes and all that. It's the idea that you're internally self-defined because without that, you cannot achieve your potential. I define who I am inside. So I don't want to be defined by my body. I don't want to be defined by my external because then I lose myself. I lose that internal connection. So the clothes part of sneers is just the external expression of this quality. So forget the clothes for a minute. We're talking about the internal definition. Right? With that, it's about me defining me inside and choosing how I want to share that with others. I choose and I decide when and who much, how much and who to. It's a whole other class. I don't want to go there. I just want to tie it in because it's so intrinsically connected to this. That's why I actually call it sneer steam. You know? Okay. So number one, acknowledge your potential that you're a soul, you're bigger than this body and bigger in this moment. You're here for a reason. There is a God. You have to explore that if you don't believe it. Totally just, but own where you're at with it. The part of healing and growth and developing yourself and actualizing your potential is owning where you're at. Owning where you're at. O owning what you know and owing, owning what you don't know. Owning what you're clear about and owning what you're not clear about. And what do I need to explore more? And what do I need to ask questions about more? That's, that's, part, that's what you're meant to start. You're meant to start there. That there is a God and God loves you very, very much and start to look for him, her in your life. Start to look for God in your life more. Ask God to show up more. Ask God to show up in your life more that you recognize God in a very clear, clear way. God will show up. He's waiting for an invitation. It's very polite. I think he's British. It's not pushy. It won't come down without your invitation. But just say, I'm open. I'm open to the possibility. And then see direct connections. Okay, let's do a meditation and practice. And you can just, again, the point, of, the point of meditation and practice is just to explore where you're at with it, not to judge it, not to be in any particular way, not to be successful, not to be failing, not to, just to explore. We know that meditation is an approach for, um, an approach that is about being with whatever it is. It's not about, wanting a result or an expectate or, or a certain experience. As soon as you want a result in an experience, it's gone. Yeah? Do you know this? As soon as you think, I need to have this kind of meditation, if I have a relaxing meditation, I'm successful, then the meditation is ruined because your expectation has defined it from external. That's actually a really good point because we're talking about it, right? As soon as I put an expectation on the meditation, it's defined it externally by my mind. My mind wants an external... What my mind wants this experience. So rather than just be with whatever it is inside, internal self-definition, now my mind is trying to control the experience. You hear? So it's really, really important to let go of that consciously. Whenever you find the mind saying, uh, uh, but what about this? But why are you doing that? But what? Forget it. Let the mind, this is a time for the mind to check out. Like as in, not really check out, but just to relax. Not to drive the, the, not to drive the car, so to speak. The mind can be there, but don't let it take control. It's just with whatever is, just allowing whatever is to be there and just be curious about it. Curiosity is the best approach. Curiosity and being gentle. Bye. We'll miss you. Okay, so just get comfy. Good to see you, Danny. We'll be in touch. I wish you could do the meditation, but you probably wanted to do it. 
so I, I, ran, I ran over. Um, feel your feet on the ground, back against the chair, 